All right, Mike, happy, happy Thanksgiving. Before we get into it, because we got a really good show today, I know you have an announcement from industry. Yeah, you know, so 2023 is a big year for us. We have three in-person conferences for the first time ever, actually. So we have the return of the European edition of industry in Dublin, Ireland in March. Then we have the New York product conference in May. And of course, our flagship conference, industry, the product conference in Cleveland, Ohio in the fall. But we just made an announcement and this is a short time period here, but (laughs) for the month of November, Every single one of our conferences, if you just go to industryconference.com, you could grab a pass, any pass, any conference for half off of our day of show rate, 50% off. Amazing, amazing. So grab that and then come back here and let's get into the episode. So as we know, the FTX exchange has now completely crashed and burned. Yeah, pretty gloriously, if I might say so. Yeah, it's kind of impressive watching just billions of digital dollars go up in flames. Like, this is a company that had stadiums named after it. Yeah, the FTX Arena, home of the Miami Heat, right? All right, Austin, thank you. All right, it's official. The home of the Miami Heat is now FTX Arena. The name was formally converted at an event at the arena just a short time ago. The name will stick around for the next 19 years. And now more details are emerging of the behind the scenes operations of the company. Yeah, and some of it's so crazy. Like the fact that they actually ran expenses through a Discord channel, approving them with emojis. Because why not, you know? (laughs) Exactly, why not? So it was a complete cluster behind the scenes. Employees in the Bahamas, they also used corporate funds to purchase just homes and personal items and there's no documentation the money would just go out and never come back and now we've been hearing more about ramnick aurora a former project manager at meta who is the man behind the scenes helping sand bakeman freed raise over two billion dollars yet let's not forget before meta he worked in banking so he was familiar with this world kind of had some ties to it very true so who is ramnick aurora and how did he come into the position of helping raise over two billion dollars for ftx in just over three years so that story and more right after the intro Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. And now, a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. 
This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live small group cohort based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. All right, today we're going to be talking about FTX's downfall, which has been rapid in the last two weeks. But the seeds of that downfall were sown actually months earlier, and we have a lot more information today than we did before. So they stem from the founder, Sam Bankman-Fried, mistakes that he made during the crypto crash back in March April, where he tried to actually bail out some crypto firms that were suffering. Yet some of those deals involved Bankman Fried's trading firm, Alameda Research, which led to a series of losses that eventually became his undoing, at least according to three people familiar with the company's operations. News that FTX was facing a liquidity crunch, well, last valued at $32 billion, with investors including SoftBank and BlackRock, it sent reverberations through the crypto world. The price of major coins plummeted, with Bitcoin slumping to its lowest in almost two years. And, you know, that heaped further pain on a sector whose value had fallen about two-thirds this year as central banks tighten credit. Yeah, I've, I've been feeling some of that pain personally, Michael. <laughs> but... Anyway, uh, th that liquidity crunch, it was actually caused by the tanking of the FTT coin, which was FTX's own coin. And that was prompted by a tweet by Changpeng Zhao, who's Binance's CEO. Now, he tweeted that Binance was going to be selling off its shares of that FTT coin. Uh, now, Zhao and Bankman Fried's relationship, it actually began back in 2019, um, six months after FTX's launch. Zhao bought 20% of the exchange for about $100 million. Now, at that time, 
Binance said that the investment was really aimed to grow the crypto economy together with FTX. But within 18 months, that relationship had soured. Yeah, FTX had grown rapidly, and Zhao now viewed it as genuine competition for Binance with global aspirations. When FTX in May of 2021 applied for a license in Gibraltar for a subsidiary, it had to submit information about its major shareholders, but Binance stonewalled FTX's request for help. Between May and July, FTX lawyers and advisors wrote to Binance at least 20 times for details on Zhao's sources of wealth, banking relationships, and ownership of Binance. In June of 2021, however, an FTX lawyer told Binance's chief financial officer that Binance wasn't engaging with us properly, and they risked severely disrupting an important project for us. A Binance legal officer responded to FTX to say that she was trying to get a response from Zhao's personal assistant, but the requested information was too general, and they may not actually provide everything. By July of that year, Bankman Freed had been tired of waiting. He bought back Zhao's stake in FTX for about $2 billion. Now, two months later, with Binance no longer involved, Gibraltar's regulator granted FTX a license. That sum was paid to Binance, in part in FTX's own coin, FTT, and that is really important. So when Zhao ordered Binance to sell its stake, it set off the crash of the FTT coin and the crisis at FTX. Yeah, along with FTX, Bankman Freed's investment company, Alameda Research, it also crashed. FDX reached out to Binance to actually acquire them in a fire sale, but when they looked under the hood... Yeah, it didn't look too good. We actually have a clip of Zhao talking about this on CNBC. But then we got our team on it. They, uh, it was pretty clear pretty soon that there's, you know, um, there's misappropriation of user funds. Um, the user funds are gone. Um, and um, uh, at that point, um, it's clearly that he lied to his users, his investors, his VC investors, um, his employees. At that point, I thought I couldn't, like whatever data that's in the data room, we couldn't trust anymore. And the deal fell apart. FDX filed for bankruptcy on November 11th with an estimated 10 billion to 50 billion, I guess, in both liabilities and assets after founder Bankman Free secretly used 10 billion in customer funds to prop up Alameda Research. At least 1 billion in client funds is still thought to be missing. Which is just crazy. I mean, that's a lot of money. It's believable though, right? Because it's crypto, right? The, it's the wild, wild west out here. But <laughs> even still, so many seasoned investors had made bets on this guy. So it is still pretty nuts to see, I don't know, just that kind of chaos happening. Absolutely. Well, they didn't just bet on him. There was a guy behind the guy that helped him raise over $2 billion from some of those biggest VC firms in Silicon Valley. So who is Ramnik Rora? Let's take a quick break and then we'll find out. So who is Ramnik Arora? The former head of product and investor relations at FDX had been a project manager at Facebook and their parent company Meta in 2020 when he cold contacted Bankman Freed and actually promptly got a job. Here's Ramnik himself discussing the transition with the Encode Club. And I think it's a fight for After some point in time, you start reevaluating different things in life. And I was at that stage where I was doing that. And there were like some other personal issues which were coming to a close, predominantly immigration issues regarding the US. So I had the freedom to think about things. Um, I spent a little bit of time 
at the Facebook Libra project, which was, yeah, I think you guys know what that is. So spent a year there, and that's when I first dipped my toes into working in crypto. And effectively, what I realized was I became super bullish on crypto, but working in a crypto company within Facebook is still a Facebook company. So the culture wasn't there. Versus a few of my friends who had developed over time, who were working in crypto, were telling me about all these amazing things which were happening. So I decided that I wanted to move to a crypto company, and I had some, like I think there's some cultural things that I look for in a company, and I'd start like talking with different people, and I got introduced to Sam, or or somebody told me about Sam. Sorry, so I LinkedIn messaged him, like a cold LinkedIn. Hey, I'm Ramnik. I would love to have a chat. And for some reason, and I don't know exactly why, I thought they were in Berkeley because Alameda Research was in Berkeley at some point in time. Oh. So I messaged him, and instantly within like, like within two minutes, I get a reply back that Sam is free for the next seventy-five minutes, and he'll hang out at a particular Zoom link. So he sent us a Zoom link. Wow! I this is one PM for me. I get on the Zoom link. Turns out to be four AM for him. What? And Sam is working. Yep. So he's in Hong Kong. It's four AM, and he's taking a call because he's trying to hire people. And I think it sort of snowballed from there. Within the next two hours, between chatting with Sam, some of the other people in the office, by six p.m. or six a.m. Sorry, we had decided that yeah, I think we were going to go forward with this. So a cold LinkedIn message to Sam led to a two-hour Zoom session and a new job. Originally from India, Aurora graduated from Stanford University with a master's degree in computer science, then started his career with a nine-month stint at quant trading firm IV Capital in New York, uh, at least according to his LinkedIn profile. He then spent two and a half years at Goldman Sachs in the investment strategy group. When he joined FTX, Aurora quickly took a front row seat at one of the fastest growing startups in history. Starting in 2021, FTX raised money in three back-to-back rounds from dozens of investors, including Paradigm, Singapore Sovereign Wealth Fund, Temasek, and Tiger Global Management. And just weeks leading up to the exchange's bankruptcy filing last week, Bankman Freed had been seeking to raise at least a billion more. Now in the past two years, the 30-something former banker emerged as the FTX executive who actually handled most of the interactions with elite investors like Sequoia Capital. After Bankman Freed would pitch them on the vision, he'd turn them over to Aurora. He'd walk investors through the business and shared the financial materials, really helping seal the deal. For most of the financial institutions that plowed money into FDX, and we say plowed because it was a lot of money, Aurora became the point of contact. During deal negotiations, Aurora served as the easygoing but focused counterbalance to Bankman Freed, whom investors viewed as more of like an aloof, unorthodox visionary. And then so after Bankman Freed sold investors on this lofty pitch, Aurora was the guy who walked investors through the actual business and who shared the data room. And so he became known as a soldier, adept at following orders from Bankman Freed. Yeah, and we should talk about that pitch, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sam was notorious for playing League of Legends simultaneously while pitching VCs like Sequoia. And apparently... VCs just ate up this shtick. I I think I've seen something like this on the TV show Silicon Valley. (laughs) Anyway, uh, yeah, the duo, they actually found quick success with investors. 
In July 2021, the company raised a $900 million Series B round that valued it at $18 billion. Then, four months later, it raised more money at a $25 billion valuation in what's been described as a meme round because the amount raised, $420 million, and the numbers of investors in the round, 69, they were both jokes, you know, just sort of meme jokes. In January of 2020, the company announced another round of $500 million with a sparkly new valuation of $32 billion. Yeah, Aurora's position as a top lieutenant made him integral to FTX's expansion and the funding blitz that ultimately valued the exchange at $32 billion. It also raised questions about whether he knew FTX was lending customer funds to Alameda Research. Some reports that we found suggest that it was only a very close inner circle that knew about this, but it's unclear. Even still, FTX's financial statements were a complete mess. The documents and spreadsheets that Bankman-Fried used to line up emergency funding, they're now circulating and they paint a shocking financial picture. Some VC investors are considering suing Sam Bankman-Fried over alleged fraud. John J. Ray III, the restructuring specialist who was appointed to oversee FTX's bankruptcy, who, by the way, oversaw the Enron bankruptcy, he put it this way, never in my career have I seen such a complete failure of corporate controls and such a complete absence of trustworthy financial information as occurred here. So where do we go from here? Well, we'll have a bit more after the break. So one last thing we need to talk about is the dangerous or actually extremely risky derivatives that FTX was pushing. FTX made most of its money selling derivatives called perpetual futures. Perpetual futures allow customers to trade with leverage up to 20 times the collateral that they post. Three-year-old FTX was the world's fifth largest player in Bitcoin perps, as they're known, for the month of October, according to digital assets data provided by Keiko. Here's Ramnik Aurora again from the Encode Club talking about these futures. So you need to incentivize market makers to provide liquidity there in a lot of cases. So we have some programs in which we incentivize market makers to make sure that there's at least some sufficient level of liquidity in the different markets. That being said, it is a pretty important problem and that like the more market makers come to a platform and the more people who are willing to take on like non-directional risk, they will end up providing liquidity liquidity gently. Um, The second thing I think is for most tokens that people want to trade, it's almost like if retail or if people want to trade it, then market makers will start getting filled and they will provide more and more liquidity because there is some benefit there is market makers make money by providing like buying and selling generally from the spread um, so if there's no activity it's also less important to provide liquidity if that makes sense so it's the way i think the the uh, cause and effect are the cause is retail customers become interested in buying the particular asset or selling the particular asset so they are trading and then the market makers will follow that being said we do have some incentives for market makers to provide some level of liquidity on ftx and it was this liquidity provided using its ftt coin in the futures market that helped to bring down ftx so let's switch gears here to the aftermath of ftx's collapse 
I'm a big boy. I've seen this movie before. Um, I will say on a personal level, uh, and I don't think if you, you talk to 10 people that, that knew Sam, uh, nine of them are, are going to say what a wonderful guy he was. And I'm one of those. I, I just think he's a very interesting individual. Um, over time, we'll peel this onion, find out what happened. I don't think that guy has a, an evil bone in his body. That was Kevin O'Leary talking about Sam Bankman-Fried. Yeah, and I've watched a lot of interviews with Sam now doing research for this. And honestly, I don't know, he kind of seems like a good dude. Like, I kind of get it, but he f- fucked this thing up. <laughs> so here's an overview of the aftermath from a CNBC segment. A uh, new filing from the company in terms of the bankruptcy, of course, kind of detailing the changes that have happened, including Mr. Bankman-Fried being pushed aside. They have a restructuring expert now in charge. But this is going to be long and complicated as you do take a look at a bit of a bounce in the FTT, uh, so to speak, the FTX token at the center of many of the losses that took place here. Um, and many on the street just trying to figure out as best they can without a real adequate accounting at this point. You know, how much was there on the liability side in terms of the customer accounts? Somebody I respect went through. I won't share their name. $16 billion is what they're estimating. $5 billion may have been withdrawn pre-filing uh, and will not get clawed back. That leaves about 10 to $11 billion of customer accounts that were not withdrawn. And then you're going to have a call claims pool of 10 to $13 billion. That's vendor claims. You have all sorts of stuff. You know, you try and figure out, Mike, what is your ultimate recovery going to be here? It's not looking that good. And now the lawsuits are just starting to mount. Here's a clip from Fox Business. We have some breaking news on the FTX crypto story. Just crossing that FTX founder Sam Bankman-Fried has been hit with a class action lawsuit. Also named some very notable celebrities and athletes who essentially promoted the platform, including Tom Brady, Giselle Bundchen, Shaq, and Steph Curry. We're going to bring you details of that suit as soon as they come in. But uh, that story is continuing with breaking news, a lot of it. And now other companies are starting to shudder as a ripple effect of this FTX collapse. Here's another clip from CNBC. This morning, it is BlockFi that is reportedly preparing for a potential bankruptcy filing. This after the cryptocurrency lender halted withdrawals of customer deposits and acknowledged that it has, quote, significant exposure to the now bankrupt FTX and Alameda, though the firm stopped short of saying a majority of its assets are tied with FTX. Now, BlockFi is one of several companies that signed deals to be rescued by FTX over the summer after a sharp plunge in crypto prices. So this is national news. I mean, crypto's always flirted with the major media players who would report on huge price increases in Bitcoin and Ethereum, but 2022 has proven to be the year where crypto is treated like any other industry, for better or worse. And this year, it's honestly been for the worse. So what do you think? Is it time to meaningfully regulate crypto? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if this wasn't the event that did it, right? Simply because so many institutional investors had their money invested in this company. I mean, even pension funds were invested. Yeah, I I agree. And it's probably for the best, honestly. As much as the crypto world hates regulation and wants to live by its own rules, They haven't, by and large, been able to prove that a trusted system can be built without regulation. From empty Gox to Quadriga CX to FTX, along with countless other scams and poorly run businesses. Well, the saga will continue. We'll have to check back (laughs) in and see what happens next. But this is going to wrap us up for today. So 
I hope everybody here has a happy Thanksgiving for those in the United States. Michael, I think I'm going to go off and enjoy some turkey now myself. Please do. Yeah. But for Michael Saka, this is Mike Belsito, and this is Rocketship.fm. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to Rocketship.fm. It is your support that keeps the show going. If you can, take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps out the show so much. We're also part of the Podglomerate Network, and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the Podglomerate, go to thepodglomerate.com to see the full show listings. This episode was mixed and mastered by Court Deans. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.